0: Merry Christmas from the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. As I share with you during this Christmas week, I hope you're having a good celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ and reflecting on his love for you and what his life means for you. I also hope you're having a meaningful time with your church and with your family and with your friends. It's a Christmas season to reflect, to enjoy, to celebrate, and I hope that's your experience as well. Now, this week on the podcast, rather than the uh, normal discussion about practical issues related to ministry leadership, I hope you'll uh, give me the privilege of sharing what might be more perceived as a Christmas devotion with you. But it does have some leadership component. In the past, I've talked with you about preaching on holidays and special events and this year i've been asked to preach at a church in a series of messages that they're doing called the songs of christmas and this is the kind of creative use of the christmas story that i think is very beneficial to us as we think about how to tell an old story and tell it in a fresh or new way so this particular church has identified the four songs that are in the gospel stories related to the birth of jesus and Uh, assigned those as the four Sundays for the preaching, and they've invited me to take one of those. And the one they assigned me was the Song of Simeon. And I particularly liked getting this assignment because as far as I could recollect or find in my notes, I've never preached a message particularly on this song. I have preached about the Christmas story for about 50 years now, uh, maybe not quite that long. Maybe more like forty-five. But I just never thought about uh, this particular way of approaching the Christmas story—the songs of Christmas. And you can find four of them in the in the early parts of the four Gospels. So today, let's read from Luke chapter two, beginning in verse twenty-one, the story surrounding the song of Simeon, and then let's look at the backstory, and then the two aspects or the two parts of his praise song or his praise offering that he provided upon meeting the baby Jesus. The Bible says in Luke 2.21, when the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves are two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples as a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Well, let's first consider the backstory to Simeon's song. And I find it striking that there are a number of triads in this passage. In other words, repetitions of three that help to reinforce the message that's trying to be communicated a series of threesomes, if you will, of triads, a collection of triangular thinking about different aspects of the story will help us to understand the backstory. First of all, there are three descriptors of Simeon. First of all, in verse 25, he's described as a man in Jerusalem. He is described as a common person. And I find this striking that this is a pattern found really throughout the Christmas story. Common people throughout the Christmas story, shepherds, wise men, innkeepers, Mary and Joseph, people who were common in the culture, unnamed in many cases, anonymous, if you will. Now, one interesting question is, how old was Simeon? There's always an assumption that's usually portrayed about him. For example, if you see a teaching picture in a child's curriculum about this story, uh, 99 times out of 100, I bet you Simeon will be portrayed as an older man. The Bible doesn't tell us anything about his age. Now, the assumption is that he was an older man because when you read the next song, this song of uh, Anna here at the next section um, you find that she was listed as being well up in years, maybe even in her 90s. So the idea that Simeon was an older man certainly has some textual inference, but there's really nothing that proves that he was. It just says he was a man in Jerusalem, a common man, ordinary man, just a man. But two other things about these three, this threefold description. In verse 25, he was described as being righteous and devout, meaning that he was a man of devotion to God. And then verse 25, he was looking forward, and I find that phrasing significant, looking forward. He had anticipation. So Simeon was a common man who was interjected into the Christmas story because of his devotion and his anticipation. Now, this is just an aside. If he was an older man, this last part, anticipation, is a remarkably insightful aspect of who he was and why he was useful to God in this moment. You know, as I'm getting older, I find myself looking back more than looking forward. I find myself complaining about how much things have changed. Longing for some kind of good old days about something that was in my past. Lamenting how people don't understand something that has changed that didn't need to change from my perspective. I find myself thinking a lot more about the past than I used to. And I've asked God to give me the discipline of thinking about the future and to keep my focus there. I want to be like Simeon, looking forward. Well, that's just a side note. Three descriptors of Simeon. He was a man, a common man, righteous and devout, looking forward. But then there are three references to the Holy Spirit in this passage, in the backstory. In verse 25, it says the Holy Spirit was on him, meaning Simeon. The presence of the Spirit was powerful in his life. Verse 26, it says it was revealed by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death, meaning that Simeon would not die until he saw uh, Jesus. So the Holy Spirit had produced a prophecy in his life. And then verse 27, it says, Simeon was guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And so he experienced the Holy Spirit's direction. There are three explicit references to the Holy Spirit in this passage that speak of his presence, his prophetic voice about the future, and his capacity to give a person direction. Simeon was a man under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And then, in this backstory to the song, there are three descriptors of Jesus. In verse 25, he's described as Israel's consolation. The word consolation means comfort or counsel or peacemaker. So Israel's comfort, Israel's counsel, Israel's peacemaker, Israel's consolation, the person of Jesus described this way. And then in verse 26, he's described as the Lord's Messiah. The word Messiah means anointed or deliverer. It means the bringer of salvation. So Jesus was Israel's consolation and the Lord's Messiah. And then finally, verse 27, the child Jesus, named for the named in the way the angel had instructed him to be named the child jesus and of course jesus resting on the root yahweh carrying forward into joshua and then to jesus the god who saves so notice these three descriptors of jesus he's israel's consolation the lord's messiah and the child jesus of course all speaking of different aspects or facets of his tremendous work that he was going to do in bringing salvation to us. And then uh, there are three aspects of Simeon's religious service that are described uh, in this passage and also uh, reaching over into Mary and Joseph's service as well. In verses 21 and 22, it says that after Jesus' circumcision and the days of purification had passed for Mary, They brought Jesus to present him to the Lord in the temple. This speaks of the holiness of the couple and of Jesus in coming to the moment. You can read in Leviticus chapter 12 verses 1 through 8 the law outlining the responsibility of parents after circumcision and after purification rites to come to the temple and make these sacrifices. And then we see that in verses 22 and 27, Jesus entered, or excuse me, the the the, uh, the people entered Jerusalem and then entered the temple, bringing Jesus to that holy place. So holy people coming to a holy place. And then verses 23 and 24 and 27 describe how they performed what was customary under the law, provided obedient service in their bringing Jesus to this moment of public dedication. So these backsto- the backstory is filled up with all this detail about what was happening. Three descriptors of Simeon, three references to the Holy Spirit, three descriptors of Jesus, and three aspects of the service of the people involved in the story. Let me just make a couple of conclusions about this backstory before we look at the song itself. The first conclusion is that God uses common people like us to accomplish his story. Simeon was a common man who experienced the Holy Spirit, introduced Jesus, and performed significant acts of religious service and devotion, a common man who did all these things. Over the past few years, I've become more and more impressed by and committed to spreading the message that it's ordinary, everyday Christians that are so vital to God's kingdom's advance. I wrote the book Shadow Christians out of that conviction, but I think about this story and this man and how he typifies so many that I've known over the years who made a similar impact. Common people, Empowered by the Holy Spirit, introducing Jesus to others, and participating in acts of religious devotion to expand God's kingdom. Let me tell you about just one couple, Rusty and Sheila. I recently had a phone conversation with them. Rusty is currently serving on the leadership uh, team, the men's group that leads their church. Uh, He's been doing that for a number of years and has uh, provided leadership in that capacity. His wife is on the pastor search committee for their church, a wise and insightful woman that was asked to take this responsibility because of her capacity for decision-making and leadership. They are a wonderful and amazing couple who serve their church in many different ways. But what makes them so astounding to me right now is that I first met this couple in 1989 and the very first meeting of the core group that ultimately came the church I planted in Portland, Oregon happened in their living room. This couple, Rusty and Sheila, have been a part of a church for now almost 35 years. And during that entire time, they have served faithfully, introducing people to Jesus in the power of the Spirit as ordinary people, just like Simeon. And they have made a significant contribution and a significant impact in God's kingdom as a result. I could tell you story after story after story of people like that. People that I've known for 30, 35, 40 years. Ordinary people. Common people. Everyday Christians. Names unknown to most. Never written books. Never been on programs. Never had their name up in lights. Just people like Simeon. Everyday Christians, empowered by the Spirit, introducing people to Jesus, serving to perform obedient acts as described in the Bible for Christians to do, and as a result, God's kingdom has prospered. If you're one of those people today, be encouraged. You are like Simeon, and you can make a significant difference. Well, now let's turn our attention to the song that Simeon said or sang of praise to God. It divides itself into two parts. It starts uh, in verse 29 with Simeon outlining what, uh, or not outlining, Simeon uh, saying uh, these words or perhaps singing these words. It simply says he offered them in praise to God at the end of verse 28. He says, now, master, Servant is how he describes himself. Master is how he describes God. He starts his song with humility and submission. You're the master. I'm the servant. And then he makes this amazing declaration in verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Now that's so amazing because Jesus had not yet performed any saving acts. Jesus was still a tiny baby. But Simeon said, I see it. I see in this little one the salvation of many. And then he goes on to say, you have prepared it, meaning your salvation, in the presence of all peoples. Jesus was appearing in public, as a baby, for all to see as the salvation that was promised. And not just to all peoples, but then Simeon doubles down and gets a lot more specific at the beginning of verse 32 when he says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. This is a breathtaking announcement. We often think about the gospel spreading into the Gentile world in Acts chapter 11 through the church at Antioch, or Perhaps the gospel starting to spread in the Gentile world in Acts chapter 2 at the preaching of Pentecost. But really, it's a long time before that that the concept that the gospel was for everyone is introduced. Here's a good example of that. Simeon says, salvation is going to be for all people and particularly for the Gentiles. And then he goes on to say, Glory to your people, Israel. The culmination of all God had been doing for centuries through the nation of Israel was in that man's hands, Jesus. So this song is packed with so much. It starts with a declaration of submission. You are the master. I am the servant. And in humility, I come before you. And I thank you that my eyes are seeing salvation. In this baby I'm holding, there is salvation. And that salvation is for all people, including the Gentiles. And this salvation in this baby is the culmination, the glory, if you will, of all that God has been doing forever through his people, Israel. The overarching message of the first part of this song is that God offers salvation in Jesus Christ to everyone. Everyone, doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. Doesn't matter your race, your nationality, your ethnicity. Doesn't even matter your religious background. The salvation available in Jesus Christ, is available to every person. Man, that's good news. That is such good news. And I pray that we will regain the capacity to believe this and to share it. Quite frankly, there's people in our culture that are so debauched, so rebellious, so evil and so broken that I look at them and wonder, is there even any point in preaching the gospel to them? Oh, God, deliver us from that kind of thinking. And instead, help us to remember the gospel is for everyone. And when Simeon said it was for the Gentiles, that was a breathtaking breakthrough moment That startled everyone, no doubt, who heard it and convicted them and convinced them that God wanted everyone to have the opportunity to know him. And then another overarching theme about this first part of the song is that Jesus is the final step in God's plan for the ages. (laughs) Listen, no one else is coming until Jesus comes again. This is the glory. Of Israel, the salvation of the Gentiles, the culmination of all that God has been doing in the universe up until this moment, all in that baby, Jesus. When you meet Jesus, you've met the top guy. Here at the seminary, sometimes when people come into our building, I happen to be in the foyer in a hallway and I'll stop and ask them if they need help or directions. And they'll sometimes ask me, well, do you work here? And I say, yeah, I do. I do. What do you do? I say, well, I teach a little bit and I help with some of the administration. Oh, okay. Okay. And oftentimes they'll just kind of look past me like, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And then maybe a little later on, somebody will walk up and say, oh, Mr. President, uh, how can I help? And, And they look at me like, you're the president? He's like, yeah, I'm the president. I'm the top guy. They don't know who they've met, so they don't acknowledge it. They don't recognize it. Frankly, they're not all that impressed. But boy, you throw out the title, president, and now everything changes. Well, when I say the word Jesus, everything changes. You've met the top guy. Nobody else coming till he comes again. So if you're waiting for something else to happen, to convince you to become a Christian, to convince you to adjust your lifestyle as a Christian, to bring it more into line with God's word and Jesus' teaching, if you're waiting on something else to happen, to bring you some validation or some proof or some kind of an emotional moment, stop waiting. You've met the top guy. That's Jesus. There's no one else coming, nothing else to be said or done. Jesus is the culmination, the salvation, the glory we've all been looking for. Well, then there is actually a second part to the song. You drop down a little later, and it says, uh, picking it up in verse 34, that then Simeon blessed them and then told his mother. Now, here's a second part of his praise that he's offering, except now he's directing this, not so much to God, but instead to Mary. He says, this child, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many, a sign that will be opposed. Man, this is a shift from the glory of Israel to someone who's going to be opposed. How difficult that must have been to hear. This echoes Jesus' statement a little later in Luke 12, beginning in verse 51. Jesus said, do you think that I came here to bring peace on the earth? No. I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Jesus said... There's going to be people, even in your own family, who follow me and who oppose me. And Simeon's saying that to Mary. This child, this child is going to cause some division among people. And then he makes it even more personal when he says, and, and, a sword will pierce your own soul. This is a prediction of Mary's torment at the death of Jesus. We know Jesus himself was pierced by a sword. Is this some kind of foreshadowing of the emotional, psychological, and even spiritual pain that Mary was going to go through when she saw Jesus broken, bleeding, pierced on the cross? A sword will pierce your own soul. And then, it says at the last, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, meaning the penetrating, exposing, convictional work of Jesus will take place in the life of every person who encounters him. So the second part of the song is not directed toward God as an uh, an ode or an expression of worship, No, the second part of the song is expressed toward Mary as a prophecy, a prediction, and a warning. Jesus is going to be divisive. His death is going to pierce your own soul. And his life will be a penetrating, exposing, convictional moment for everyone who encounters him. Well, we looked at the backstory and the two aspects of this Song of Simeon. Let's think now to close out the podcast, on the ways in this story that people responded to Jesus. First, verse 28, it says, Simeon took him up in his arms. What a beautiful picture that is. Have have you ever seen a a, a new mother with a one- or two-week-old baby handing it over to someone who's holding it maybe maybe for the first time, and maybe it's an elderly aunt or a, a, a great, an aging great-grandmother. And that person is frail and a little shaky, and that transition is very careful, and the person who's receiving the baby is very attentive and very focused and very uh, precise in how they want to hold the child to make sure that nothing bad happens. I see that kind of tenderness in this moment where Simeon takes Jesus and holds him in his arms and offers him as a part of his praise to God. And then uh, the parents in the story also make a response. You can find that dropping down in verse 33. Uh, In that verse, it says that uh, his mother and father were amazed at what was being said about him. They looked on Jesus with amazement. So Simeon models tender receptivity and worship. The parents model amazement at Jesus. Well, the other response in the story is not from an individual. It's simply what was predicted or prophesied. And I've already alluded to it, but let me just mention it again. Passage ends by saying that some will actually oppose Jesus when their hearts are revealed, are exposed, are made open, like an open book before Jesus. So three responses of people in the story. You choose your part. Will you be Simeon and receive Jesus tenderly? Will you be his parents, standing in awe, wonder, and amazement as you look on Jesus? Or sadly, will you be one of these opponents who, when you encounter Jesus and he exposes you for who you are and all you are, you find yourself rejecting him rather than receiving him tenderly and standing in amazement at his wonder in your life? Most of you who are listening to this podcast will be in that first two categories. You have received Jesus tenderly and you stand in awe and amazement at what he's done for you. During this Christmas season, let those reflections be real and personal and worshipful in your life. But if you're listening to the podcast today or you know someone who needs this message and you find yourself or someone you know in opposition to Jesus, may I implore you, and may I challenge you to implore others, turn to Jesus. He's the salvation for all. Let him change your life so that you can become one of the amazed and one of the devoted worshipers like his parents and like Simeon. During this Christmas season, I hope this Song of Simeon reflects who you are, how you worship, and how you're impacted by the Christmas story. Celebrate this week. Enjoy some time with your family and friends. Give a gift or two and perhaps even receive one. And then take some time to reflect and celebrate and enjoy what it means to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is is the essence of the Christmas story. Reflect on it this week as you lead on.